Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. And it's not intimidating. So if you're new to the stock market or if it's your first time investing, you can do it with confidence. It's simple. It's intuitive. It has a very clear design with data presented in a very easy-to-digest way, which it's coming from the two of us because we have the app and we've used it. We got the $10 credit. And usually we don't know anything, but we do know that Robinhood app is awesome. And there's there's no commission fees, whereas like other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. But Robinhood won't do that because you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Yeah. And it's super easy to understand. Like the charts are super easy and the market data. You can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone, which I did. I bought one share of GE, General Electric. So I'm watching that now, guys. I'm a trader of stocks. (laughs) Corinne is a trader. And they also have like these cool collections. So like if you don't really know what you're interested in buying, it has like collections like entertainment and social media. And it's all very easy to understand. And then you can build your portfolio. We all are going to look really smart with this app. Uh, Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. So sign up at ghost.robinhood.com. That's ghost.robinhood.com. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. One Ghost. And this episode of Two Girls, One Ghost is sponsored by Robin Hood, Third Love, Brooklinen, and Homesick Candles. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hello. And that is Sabrina. Hello. Um, So this is a thing that's been happening for a while now in my office. And whenever I close the door, the door handle like vibrates and shakes violently. Ooh. And it's been doing it for the last two minutes, and it's freaking me out. And I think it's just because the door doesn't totally fit in the door frame, but it's freaky. That is a little scary. Is this a new thing that's been happening? Perhaps it's the change in temperature, maybe, affecting the wood? Or it's all the ghosts that we've been talking about, and finally they've all come out, and they're all haunting oh my, my door. So many of them. There's too many. They're too powerful, but they still they're can't open the powerful. door. They're trying. I've been getting really jumpy. I don't know if it's just because there's more nighttime now, now that daylight savings has passed. And so I'm just like always on edge. But like when people walk into the bathroom when I'm walking out, like (laughs) today I full on did like a foot leap into the air. And the woman was like, oh, I'm so sorry. But like there was no reason that I should have been that scared of seeing someone else in like a 12 stall bathroom that people are constantly in. But it those the bathroom is one of those places where you think you'll like have a moment alone, and then when someone surprises you by coming in, you're like, <gasps> it is startling. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And I'm dreaming a lot about the podcast now too. Wait, me too. I've had the weirdest dreams. What have yours been? Well, some of them have been stress dreams. Like one was, <laughs> one was like 
Nick surprised me with a trip to Hawaii. He like basically like was like in the car and then we drove to the airport and he's like, We're going to Hawaii, surprise and I like panicked oh. and was like, I can't just leave for a week. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> we'll record early <laughs> if you want to go to Hawaii. That's you're not gonna not go to Hawaii. But it's so funny that that is my stress dream nowadays yeah, that's rather the stress than like dream. That's that should be like that's anyone else's like dream dream dream. I was dreaming that I was responding to emails last night, and then I woke <laughs> up and I was like, "Damn it, I didn't get all that stuff done. I thought I did." I've been having dreams where like I'm having full conversations with people that like they're so real where I don't know if they're real or not. Like when I wake up, I'm like, I really swear that I had that conversation with this person the other day, but I it was in my dream. That's happened to me a bunch, where it's just so mm-hmm. realistic. Because it's like, maybe that's happening in a parallel universe. Or sometimes it happens where it's like, I think I said it out loud, but maybe I just answered in my mind. And then yeah, the person's like happened. waiting for my response. And I was like, like I, already, I already told you. You're having I a brain know, fart. you definitely didn't. <laughs> um, someone uh, sent us like a tweet the other day or tagged us in a tweet. I don't know what Twitter is. Clearly. Um, I just pressed the heart button. But someone sent us a photo and it said like, what if every time you blink, you're actually jumping to another universe? And then I responded and I was like, does that mean like when Corinne and I are recording and I blink, but Corinne doesn't blink, I jump to another universe. And so Corinne and I in that universe are having a completely different conversation than Corinne and I are having in the universe that I just left. And how many versions of the podcast exist and are out there? You know that I'm not smart enough to think about these things. (laughs) (laughs) Except you are, but it's just impossible to like grasp. And now we're just going to go off on spirals. Yeah. It's funny, though, because I love talking about those things when it is involved with like a movie like Shutter Island or like Inception. I love those movies. And then I love to like go outside and look at the stars and contemplate everything in the universe and stuff like that. But when I'm actually the thing is, is that like I don't understand it, which is why it's so interesting. But I get intimidated to talk about it when we're recording in front of microphones because I know, I mean, no one knows. So I guess there is no right answer or the people who think they know we all say are crazy and don't believe them. And then they make YouTube videos. Right. But But you know what? Like people are going to say we're crazy all the time. And you know what we say? I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) You know, my nickname growing up was LMA because I would get really upset and I'd say, leave me alone. So my whole family would call me LMA. And then... Oh my God, you're so moody. <laughs> leave me alone. It's why I got bangs because I'm really embracing LMA. <laughs> um, but my dad told Nick this story when we were, I don't know, sometime we were all together recently. And so now when I'm like in a mood, Nick's like, stop being LMA. He also calls you like Brini or whatever, right? Brini, yeah. Brini. Brini. It's my family I've name. Only heard, I've only heard him call you that. That's another thing he picked up from my family. And he used to like say it as a joke because he thought it was just a funny nickname because he'd never heard anyone call me that before. And now it like stuck. Now you're Brini. Like I used to jokingly call him Babe because I thought it was like so icky. And now babe. I catch myself <laughs> saying it all the time. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> babe, babe. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is just like doing a 180 from Babe babe in relationships because i'm single so i have nothing to contribute here but i so you saw the movie a beautiful boy oh yeah so it's the book club choice for (gasps) my book club this month and we are going to see it on sunday and i'm like halfway through the book and i cannot put it down i'm literally like reading it i was using the 
what's it called? I don't, I'm not good at working out either. So I'm exposing a lot. The I was doing the machine where you move your legs. The bicycle. Yeah, but it's like you kind of lean back. It's like you, you're not propped up. I don't know. It's one of those spinny like things. The unicycle. And I realized that I was like hardly even moving my legs because <laughs> I was reading my book at the same time. And I was so into it that I realized I just stopped on the machine and I was just sitting there for like, <laughs> I don't know how many minutes just reading. And I was like, oh, no, this is embarrassing. You go out. Of, you just need to get out of the house. So you just go sit on the bike at the, tri- at the gym <laughs> just to read a book. Just sitting, and it's funny because I was like totally shifting my weight too. Because I was like, my butt is <laughs> getting comfortable. I was like really trying to relax. You bring a blanket with you and sit on the bike. <laughs> oh my god! Next time, but yeah, the book is so good. So you recommend the movie? I recommend the book. Okay, so yeah, I want to read the book. Both. There are two books. There, there's the one from the by the dad and one by the son. Wait, there's. <sighs> Which one are you reading? This. The one by the dad. Oh, see, there's one from the son's perspective as well, which I hear is, is good. it the same title? Uh, no, I think it's a different. I don't know what the title is, but okay. I just got slightly concerned for a second that everyone at book club may have read different books. No, 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 they have different titles. Okay, yeah. Well, now I have to read that one next. Uh-huh. Um, I just read "Leaving Time" by Jody Picoult for my book club, and it talks so much about the universe and the paranormal and i'm telling you everything everything in my life is starting to connect like everything i do and everything i read and everything i watch has some connection to the paranormal and it's like maybe i'm a ghost and this is what the these signs are trying to tell me <laughs> well, isn't there a comedian that talks about which one is it there's some comedian that talks oh it's aziz and sorry we've talked about this where he talks about like how so many ghosts are like the old ghosts but he's like but what about the modern day ghosts have yep. you ever moved into like a newly renovated apartment and then there's someone in the corner just being like what's the wi-fi password <laughs> <laughs> they don't need it they can just like go through the little wi-fi router and then like link up true true i also have a new favorite comedian who is it? i know that i give a ton of stand-up suggestions and i feel like no one watches but I'm going to give this one anyway. James Acaster. I don't know. He is a British comedian. And I absolutely would never be able to see him live because I'm super dependent on the subtitles because he speaks so quickly and has such a thick accent. But I was like, my whole family watched it and my mom and I were like could not breathe i could hardly see and i probably missed half the jokes because my eyes were shut because i was laughing so hard (laughs) he's good he's good guys he's really good amazing so if you want to take a break from spooky stuff or the horrifying ghost photos we post on instagram (laughs) oh my god that one so yeah everyone go look so from encounters 26 we had the past week one story from natalie and her friend who sent that photo and it's like Mm -hmm. the creepiest photo and so i posted on instagram today but it kept self-deleting from my phone wait it was self-deleting yeah i like i would save it because i was trying to add it to the the instagram story and then i would save it from the text that you sent to me when you blurred out the faces and then i would go into my camera roll and it just like would be deleted and i would go to my trash in, <gasps> oh, in my oh, photo I'm album so scared i'm so scared and there were like That's six so of them creepy. in there six 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 <gasps> i like silent what time was it was it three thirty-three? Oh my god i blurred out the i saved it on my phone i blurred out the faces i immediately deleted it from my phone i was like i am not going to keep this on my phone as soon as i sent it to you it was off of mine 
I need to delete it from my desktop computer because it's going to start haunting me. Uh, yeah, you absolutely should. It's something about like it can live on social media, but actually having something saved to your phone feels so much more permanent. It feels like you're inviting it in. Especially you know? because they love electronics and phones and all those things. They work. They just have more energy, energy that way. So, oh my God, what if, okay, I don't want to say this because it's on my phone, but what if it's like the seven days ring video type thing where it's like, what if you save the thing on your phone for a certain amount of time, every time you take a picture, it's going to show up in every picture you take. Or if it's like an it follows and whoever you send it to, it gets passed along. Who do I send it to? I don't know. Not me. I already sent it to you. I gave it to you. Send it to Nick. (laughs) Pick a random number. No, because then they'll be unprepared. Well, I don't want to die. I didn't say you were going to die. We don't know what's going to happen. Okay, that's true. I might already be dead, and this is just all a dream. We both are. Which brings me to a theory about the haunting of the Hell House. This is not a spoiler, because the way I'm going to phrase it, you... If someone hasn't seen it, they won't know what I'm talking about. Thank you. But there's a theory that they never actually get out of the red room at the very end. That it's all just imaginary because something that is noticed is that every single time anyone in the family is in the red room, there will be something red. So when they're having a vision, like the sneakers will be red or someone's wearing a red coat or there will be a red blanket on the couch or something. And that's your indication that they're in the red room. The finale, they are around a cake and the cake is red. And you're at the time under the impression that they are not in the red room. But does that mean that they are? Interesting. So just leaving that there, read it on an article. Even the the actors are like, they don't know. They and we'll never know it out to the others, and they were all freaking out. We'll never know now because I'm pretty sure they're not doing the same family. If yeah, they they're do. not. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because they're going to do a sequel, but it's going to be a whole different. St- it's going to be like American Horror Story, how they do like each season's just completely different. Yeah, I really want to learn about the hills, like especially like because. Well, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> okay, it's like I finally caught up, and now I can't talk to anyone about it. So I'm bummed. Well, you can talk to me. Yeah, but not on the podcast. Okay, well, we'll regroup after this. Okay, perfect. And everyone else needs to catch up so that we can freely talk about this stuff. Maybe we'll regroup when I get home and put on my comfortable clothing, like my third love bra. And <laughs> It's one of those bras that you don't have to whip off as soon as you walk in the no, door. It's, one it's of actually those, comfortable. It's one of those ones that you put on when you get in the front door because you're like, I'm so comfy. It's bra time now, baby. <laughs> Third Love has perfect fitting bras. They use millions of real women's measurements. And Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible feel. And they have a fit finder quiz, which is amazing because you just answer a few questions and then find your perfect fit, which is honestly, I've never found a better fitting bra until I took this quiz. Uh, Over 10 million women have taken the quiz to date and it's fun and it takes less than a minute to complete. And uh, it helps you figure out your actual breast shape because it matters when you find a good fit. They offer cups from size A through H and bands up to 48. And then they actually just uh, 
they have a new collection. It's a cotton collection. Ooh. And they launched their cotton collection. It's like t-shirt bras and cotton underwear mm. because all of the customers really wanted it. And Third Love takes customer input very seriously. So I, like I said, I got a bra and I never wear normal bras because I just like never found them comfortable. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to give, I'm going to open my heart and open my boobs to another bra. And I finally... <laughs> I feel so at home in this one from Third Love. It's amazing. Three other women at my work now have bought them because I talk about them so much and I show them to them, which is inappropriate because I'm in HR and I'm clearly <laughs> exposing my breast and my bra to everyone. So, but it's working. It's working. <laughs> everyone buy it. Yes, because Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off of your first order. So just go to thirdlove.com forward slash T-G-O-G now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash T-G-O-G for 15% off today. Can we talk about how we just had a technical difficulty while we were just doing the ad and it made me think that our ghost is a boy because or a man because and he was like uncomfortable about us talking about bras. Oh, and now it's glitching again. I know. Our ghost doesn't want us talking about bras or about him. Okay, well, let's skip over and go straight to near-death experiences. Okay, have you, do you know anyone who's had a near-death experience? I mean, I've known people that have, like, nearly died, but it's different than a near-death experience. Yeah. Like, I've nearly died. When? But it wasn't a near-death experience. Um, Twice on the lake. Once our boat was sinking. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's so scary to the edge um and then another time there was a really horrible storm and the coast guard wouldn't come get us and there were like nine foot waves and what? there was lightning and uh my dad and the other man on the boat told their two families so me and the other family to go down into the underneath and to put life jackets on and to try to go to sleep because they thought we were going to die and so they wanted us to be asleep when we started to drown how old were you Probably like seven. Oh my god! Do you remember it? Like, do you have a vivid very memory vividly? Of it? I cried the entire time. That's horrifying. Everyone was crying. Like, we really thought we were gonna die. But How did you get out of it? Alas, they just kept driving the boat, and it took like hours. But we didn't get capsized, and we finally made it to shore. Maybe you have guardian angels, dude. It's my dad. He should have died like at least thirteen times. Oh my god, that's so, so scary he someone's watching over him probably Um, his father who passed away when he was 14 i'm very glad that you're not dead i don't think i've ever had anything like that but it's crazy how many people have so like near-death experiences basically for anyone who doesn't know it's when you nearly die or like basically when you do die but you come back to life like there are some people who like their heart rate stops for like two minutes or there's no brain activity for two minutes and during those two minutes they have these interactions where they go to heaven or like visit the whatever version of the afterlife and they get visits from like a relative or like jesus or god there's all these different stories yeah it's basically like they leave the space that they were in they leave their body and it's not just like astral traveling they leave and then they enter a whole nother place and then something either a force pulls them back or they are told that they have to return yeah a lot of them are like it's not your time you have (laughs) you still have something to do in the world and then like people push them back into the world 
what's interesting is that so many people don't want to go back. It's like you're filled with such acceptance and like, which is actually really nice to to think that after you die, it's not like this really confused for the most part because we don't really, maybe some spirits are confused. And that's why they're still here on earth. But for the most part, it seems like people are just so like, oh, this is it. I feel like completely at peace. I feel so happy. I don't want to go back. Yeah. And so they don't even care. And they have to be convinced to return to their bodies. I wonder, okay, I just had like an idea for a show. What if there's like a person who has a near-death experience and they like are so addicted to like that actual near-death experience, like the heavenly thing, but they're not ready to die, but they want to also go back to it, and they continuously put themselves in situations to have near-death experiences, and, like... There's a show that's similar. It's not that, but wasn't there a movie where a bunch of friends all go on the table and they electrocute themselves and kill themselves and then bring each other back to life? I have no idea. I never saw the movie, but I remember the trailer. It came out, like, in the past year or two. They stole my idea. (laughs) That you came up with right now, but in a parallel universe, you came up with it first. Exactly. I'm so glad you understand how this universe works. (laughs) It's also interesting, though, with near-death experiences, how many people don't believe in them. And there was – so I just did, like, a little bit of research about – there are these two different studies that say – it was based on um, cardiac arrest patients who have died and were resuscitated. And it reported that 11 – between 11% and 18% of those patients had near-death experiences. So it's a pretty, like, rare occurrence. Also, who is to say that what they're saying is false? Well, Like, how do you know? Aren't you going to believe the people that die and come back? Like, yeah. you, yeah, you have to believe them. You have right. nothing even close to similar experience to those people. So you have to believe them. Well, there's one there's one doctor. So, like, basically doctors are like, it's just basically, like, what happens when you lose oxygen to the brain? So, like, it creates this, like, simulation, which obviously BS, we know. But there's this doctor who was, like, anti-NDEs, near-death experiences. His name is Dr. Eben Alexander. And he had a near-death experience. And when he came back, his, like, entire life changed. He was like, oh, my God, this is real. And he changed his entire, like, focus and now only studies near-death experiences. Damn, you guys. Take it from even Alexander. Yeah, or don't. If you don't, don't trust us, trust a doctor. Just have a little faith. If you don't trust him, you can trust the other hundreds, maybe thousands of people who have mm-hmm. experienced this. Yeah, who'd you pick? I chose, and I cannot pronounce his last name, so my <laughs> apologies, but I chose the near-death experience of George Rodone. Wait, can I re- – my mom – I talked to my mom on the phone the other day, and she goes – so I was listening to the podcast, and um, your French pronunciation is very embarrassing. Uh, so much for all those French classes you took all those years. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? I was like, yeah. In one ear, the other. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure my Spanish is horrible. No one's, no one's told me that yet. So. <laughs> I guess our Spanish-speaking listeners are just kind, but your mom is not. <laughs> the one French-speaking listener, your mom, is like, no, yeah, that's not she's good. She's like, you're, you're great. I'm proud of you, but you also embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> what are moms for? Okay, so George. In 1976, George was hit by a car, and he was killed on impact oh my pretty much immediately. His body was taken to the morgue where it stayed. It was stored away <gasps> for three days. As they do, you know, they put the body in the morgue and then eventually 
do an autopsy if they need or prep the body for. Right. Um, but there were some questions about George's death because he was, I guess, so he lived in Russia. I'm telling this horribly. <laughs> As usual, <laughs> I can't tell a story even though I write notes. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, so there were some questions about George's death, and so a doctor was ordered to perform an autopsy on his body, and the autopsy was going to be performed basically because they thought that he was assassinated because George lived uh, over in Russia at the time, and he was super anti-Soviet Union, and he was, like, very vocal about it, which was, like, super faux pas. You weren't supposed to be that way. And so he was kind of a target. So people thought that he was struck purposely by a car, and the intention was to assassinate him. So this case became very public very quickly, and so the autopsy was requested, which is why someone was going to do it, because I think normally when you get hit by a car, they don't probably do an autopsy. Yeah, I think when it's natural causes, you wouldn't... Not the getting hit by a car is not... (laughs) natural but well but like if it's not a suspicious death, yeah like that's what i mean falling yeah. down the stairs after marital problems with your husband you know so this is three days after his death george's body is on the autopsy table and the autopsy begins and no. an incision is made into the abdomen Mm-mm. when suddenly george no. comes back to life <laughs> i knew this was gonna happen that's what we're talking about but i hate it a dead, lifeless body that was in a freezer vault in the morgue for three entire days and is then cut into, suddenly wakes up, which is <sighs> such a nightmare for all parties involved. I mean, the person cutting into him is probably freaked the fuck out. And then also George himself is probably like, why am I in the yeah. morgue and why is someone cutting into me? And then also, I mean, okay, obviously you're going to answer all these questions, but I have a million questions. Like medically, like if... You're dead for three days. Wouldn't you be completely brain dead? Like, you can't survive without oxygen to your brain for that long. It's called a miracle. What if he was actually poisoned? And it was like a paralytic. Like a Romeo and Juliet thing? Yeah. Or just like a paralytic that like made it, like his heart rate go so slow that it seemed like he was dead. Well, this is exactly what happens. We talked about it in the voodoo episode. I covered that like weird drug yeah. that makes people the like zombie drug that basically fakes a death. Yeah. Slows the heart rate so much. But I mean, I don't really know what exactly happened to George because he was right. hit by a car and then was dead for three days. The entire front of the car is like rubbed in that like yeah. mixture. He was pretty messed up though and we'll get there because his okay. recovery took a while. But okay. okay. So he wakes up and we're all glad that George got to return to life but also extremely terrifying that this happened. Mm -hmm. And George's case is one of the longest cases of clinical near-death experience ever recorded. Oh, my gosh. There are some that are a lot longer, though. So everyone can Google that after this. Yeah. What the heck? I know. I don't know how people die and come back like that. I have no idea. Scientists? Scientists get upset thinking about it because they're probably goes against science it defies my scientific knowledge so i imagine it defies professional scientist knowledge because that's how that works while we're on this topic of science really quickly i want to diverge because i was looking at christmas cards today and (laughs) there was a christmas card of santa with his reindeer like being pulled by the sleigh in the sky and next to him was, like, an alien Santa being pulled by, like, weird alien reindeer on I his sleigh, it. like, crossing through the universe together. Who came like, first? That's funny. The Did alien Santa, Santa or... Was Santa 
contacted by aliens, and that's how he got his magic to fly with reindeer. The recruit. Mm-hmm. Or do all Santas live on one planet and they all just take on the appearance of the people that they serve, the creatures that they serve? Are you saying Santa's an alien? <laughs> Sabrina, you just lit up. <laughs> okay, so for the three days, George was not in his body. So when I'm saying that, wow, words are hard today. So for those three days, George claims that he was not entirely in his body. So he wasn't aware of being dead like his soul left his body his body was on the table dead a corpse he let go of his shell and he moved on somewhere else but he was conscious that he was george and that he was somewhere else he said that when he died he was surrounded by darkness and it was black all around him except for one area which contained light Ah. and that is where he walked towards the light and before this near death experience just to give you a little bit of background on George so that people can understand what he did and that he was actually a reputable person and maybe not I'm sure people are like well he's probably crazy no (laughs) before his near-death experience George was a neuropathologist at the University of Moscow and he was an atheist he was a man of science and of fact But after this near-death experience, he decided that he should very much devote time to studying spirituality, to try to understand spirituality. And he started a second doctorate in the psychology of religion. And not only did he get that second doctorate, but he also became a priest in an Eastern Orthodox church. And he served as a pastor at the St. Paul United Methodist Church, which is in some town in Texas that I didn't write down. And then he eventually passed away and stayed passed away. He ended up in the light. He permanently stayed in the light in 2004. Wow. So my question was what happens or what happened to so drastically change George's views? What did he see after he walked towards the light? I bet you're going to tell us. For those three days. Yes, of course. This is always how I set it up. I ask a question and then I answer <laughs> mm-hmm. my own question. George said that, like I mentioned, he was in complete darkness at first. He said he was free of any pain, though he had just been struck by the car. And he was very aware of himself and of the space around him. And he was still George. He remembered his life. It wasn't like he became this, took on this soul version of himself right. that like had all this understanding of previous lives and whatever. Like he was just George and he right. was away from his body. He knew he was and he was surrounded by darkness. And he mm-hmm. said the black was just so black. Ugh. It was blacker than black, blacker than you can expect any black. It was just so overwhelming and he said the blackness was nothing he'd ever experienced before was it like darkness or just like void like empty void it was kind of both he said that it it was like pressing on him (gasps) and that he was scared in the dark well that scares me he didn't know where he was i mean it's we know that he saw a light at the end of the tunnel or at in some point in the blackness and he was walking towards it but like at first, that didn't appear, though. It was, like, oh. after a few moments. I wonder, so at like, first, he was just in dark. Like, darkness. what if that's what some people end up going to? That's really upsetting. Yeah. It's like in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina when she goes into that. Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah. Where she goes into the forest that's all, like, misty, and there's the crying baby and the people mm. just wandering around. 
that's kind of what it reminds me of. But this is like complete isolation and darkness. And he said that it was super overwhelming that he was very aware that he was he said he thought he was still alive, but he was just in some other weird dimension. But he felt like he was still alive and a person walking around. So he's he's thinking about everything and he's super confused and he's like thinking about his life and he's thinking about like how he's feeling in this complete darkness. And then finally, he just accepted the fact that there was darkness and hoping for something else. And this like scary, very black, overwhelming dimension he hoped was not the only thing that Mm -hmm. existed. And so he started thinking about the darkness more and about his existence and he thought to himself how can i define what is positive in darkness and as he thought that the bright light shone down he said it was almost a blinding light like someone just taking a flashlight and pitch darkness and putting it right to your eyes it's like a test the blinding light comes down and shone towards him and this immense pressure of the darkness begins to dissipate and George feels warm and he feels comforted and he's no longer panicked and he knows that he can go towards the light and then he said the light almost turned into a show of particles so almost like split and it was like these molecules were just going around and dancing around and doing this sort of show and he said that they were flying everywhere and it almost seemed chaotic and yet somehow it still went into a pattern there was some sort of like rhyme and reason to it oh my god and so george thought although a lot was going on around him that this show is very spectacular and he was so overjoyed he just felt so happy to be watching what he was seeing in front of him and it was his understanding that this was the universe that it was being shown to him in this super brilliant way, this display of lights all dancing and intertwining together. And actually, when I think of this, I think of Interstellar when he kind of goes into that spot where he's like pushing on the, the bookshelf. bookshelf. Yeah, that's that's what I imagined. So yeah, so he's in this spot and he also has no concept of time. He said that the past and the present and the future somehow were all merged together in this one moment. Whoa. Oh, that's so weird. Yes. And he said then... As he's watching all of this, the life review process starts. He said that in the life review process, which is basically a lot of people who have near-death experiences report this. And this is something that like we see in a lot of television and movies where when someone dies or is about to die, they see their whole life flash in front of them, all the memories. And this is what he referred to as the life review process. And it's essentially the moment where you look back on your life and you see it but George said it wasn't as if it was like seeing it from start to finish. He said it wasn't really a sequence of events. It just was rather all of his memories and all of the moments presented to him at once. Like it was everything at once. And somehow he processed everything at once. That scares me. Yeah. And, but then he also said what was shown to him was not meant to make him reflect or feel bad about certain things that he had done or certain things that he hadn't done or what have you, but rather it was meant to make him feel content and peaceful and like ready to continue on. Like, do do you mean, I know it's hard to interpret his thought, but like, do you mean like it made him feel like it was in terms of moving on, like going back to his life like these are all the great things that you've had in your life go back to it no i think he thought it was more of just like here's a here's a photo album (laughs) and now you can move on to make new memories here in this universe world 
heaven existence place or whatever. And also, side note, in my research, I looked at a bunch of different near-death experiences and one person, I forget who it was, but they had, they basically had a similar experience to George where they hadn't been dedicated to any one faith. And in front of them, instead of the lights that George had experienced, they got like a display of lights and then they also got God and then all the different versions like Yahweh, like all of these God-like creatures displayed themselves to him. And then he understood that what you that there there really is i guess one place you go but the way that you experience that one place is based on your beliefs so no matter what your religion if you're hindu if you're catholic if you're jewish if you i don't know are atheist or any religion when you die you'll experience something that reflects your beliefs and your religion to make you feel comforted when entering into this space but in the end we're all together in this big so you die your truth yeah it's what you make it so when people are like heaven is for real heaven's real because they had some sort of whether they say they didn't believe in heaven or what like they in their lives they viewed death in a certain way and that's what is presented to them when they die whoa so mind blown so George, since he was a scientist and into all that and didn't really consider anything about religions or bother learning anything, he was presented with essentially the universe and pol- molecules and scientific stuff. Molecules. That was blowing his- molecules. Science and like stuff. H2O and carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide. Neurons, electrons. The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> the light is still beaming down on him as he's, you know, all of these lights and molecules are dancing around and he's given the life review process. And the light is still shining down on him and warming him. And then he came to understand things about his present self and about the universe that are a bit beyond what many are willing to accept here on Earth. Yeah. He basically like learned what the world is and I guess maybe the purpose of life. And he learned that reality is everywhere and that life is infinite and it's not unique to just Earth. That life goes on and light is also infinite and everything is infinite and yet (laughs) everything is still somehow although it's infinite connected together to create a whole see this is what i was saying in the beginning of this this episode everything is coming together in my life right now because it's all connected it's all connected i'm brilliant it's also so hard to wrap your mind around this stuff it's like we're all infinite and it's like exist we exist everywhere but then nowhere and then all at once together in one place and it's like (laughs) did you do ayahuasca what's going on are you on lsd that's what it feels like when i read these things but it's like you want to understand and I kind of get it but like I also just don't because I think when you're on earth sometimes your mind is a little too simple to yeah truly get it and it's also like just because life exists everywhere doesn't mean that life is equipped to understand like I, I think there are limits to what we can understand because we wouldn't be able to handle the truth you can't handle the truth <laughs> what is that from if you can't handle the truth now i'm just making things up anyway okay george is in this place he's understanding life and he's still quite aware that he is george and he is of his body but he's somewhere else so then he starts thinking about his own body and like his physical body and it's like well where's my where's my human earth body and at that moment he was able to see it he was brought back and he could see it lying there in the morgue 
and he knew what happened. He knew he had been struck by a car and he knew he was dead and he knew he was now leaving his physical body behind and that he was also able to see other people that he wanted while he was in this astral sort of state. And so he went and he saw his wife and he saw all the other people who were involved in his accident. And not only could he see them, but he could feel what was happening. He said he could feel their emotions and he could hear their thoughts. So George is there standing in this warm light and suddenly understanding the universe and how it's all connected. And he feels something grab his neck what and just push him down causing him he said great pain oh and then suddenly he was cold and he was shivering and it was at that moment that he had returned to his body and realized that he was being cut open in the morgue that's the great pain i was worried that like the hand was hurting him but that makes sense that makes more no i think he was being cut and it probably wasn't his time and so whatever sort of being or yep energy was there at the time shoved his body it's like, his astral body back into his real body as quickly as possible it's like dude now is the time to wake up when you don't have a second to like yeah wait. you're gonna be killed for real if yeah you, and if it's we gonna let you get hurt. sliced open <gasps> so he just shoots back to his body and he's in the morgue and when he returns to his body he is pretty much immediately transported to the hospital because they realize that he has come back to life and they just cut him open and clearly he's been dead for three days so it's really scary and he's got some issues um so they took him to the hospital it took him nine months to recover and to leave the hospital he was in the hospital for nine months because he was dead for three days no way yeah but upon first re-entering his body something strange happened what happened he said that when he went back to his body so so basically like when he went back to his body after being dead for three days he Mm -hmm. was in his body and people were aware that he had come back to life but he couldn't talk it wasn't as if he was like sitting up like all right i'm ready for whiskey like (laughs) you know he wasn't he was he was almost comatose but like yeah three days yeah he was very much injured and it took a lot to recover from that so He was just kind of laying there in his body. And when he re-entered his body, he said he felt a draw to a certain hospital where his friend's wife had just given birth to a baby. I don't know why I had to clarify to a baby. If she gave birth, it was to an elephant, a a baby. (laughs) So George feels this draw to the hospital and to where this baby is. And suddenly he's able to go there. So he almost astral, well, not almost, he astral projects. He goes to the hospital and he's in his astral form. And he himself is still recovering from the near-death experience. So his body's like in a coma and in the hospital and people are like working around him. But he's not in his body really. I mean, he's like attached to it, but he's like out and venturing around. He got superpowers. he, He has superpowers. So he goes and he visits this baby and the baby is crying and crying and crying and won't stop crying and looks like she's in so much pain and she can't stop crying. And he looks at her and he's able to see in his astral state through his astral eyes that she has a broken hip. This (gasps) newborn baby has a broken hip. And so he says to her, he says, don't cry. Nobody understands you. And the baby suddenly stopped crying and was completely aware of george's existence and presence she could see him she was looking at him but no adults around him could see him so he was like basically this ghost that only the baby could see wow 
And then he returns back to his physical body. And after another three days, so this is three days after him being dead for three days, uh, he's in the hospital and he's finally able to speak. His tongue previously had been so swollen from being dead that Whoa. it took three days for it to shrink down enough for him to actually be able to speak and, and say anything. And his very first words after coming back from death were was an urgent plea to help the baby. He oh insisted gosh. that they take an x-ray of the baby's hip and that a nurse had dropped the baby, <gasps> causing the baby to break her hip. And so the doctors are like, oh, shit. And I'm sure normal doctors would be like, okay, we don't trust this guy. He's kind of crazy. He's but crazy. he also just came back to life after three days. So it's like, you don't know what he's seen. Right. So anyone who comes back from after three days, trust anything they say, because clearly some miracle is happening through them. Literally. So, yeah. So they, they believe him. They trust him enough to rush to that area where the baby is and the doctors took x-rays of the newborn baby and realized that george was completely correct oh my god and the hip was broken and so they were able to treat the baby so she wasn't crying and in so much pain and then they confronted the nurse and the nurse admitted to dropping the baby and was immediately fired yeah you don't lie about that stuff like if you drop a baby like it happens but like you can't let a baby sit with a broken hip oh my god yeah you're you having a job is way less important than yeah a brand new baby and their safety and health what's more is that george's wife realized that george had in fact communicated with her in some sort of way when he was dead for those three days whoa so when george was in another realm in the other astral plane wherever he was Remember I said he looked down on his wife and others and he said that he could, he felt as if he, he could, could like yeah. hear their thoughts and feel their emotions. And so he was describing this as sort of like telepathic contact with those people. And he said he could enter people's minds and know what they were thinking about. And he had gone into the mind of his wife, Nino, and he heard her speak and heard her thoughts. And he listened as her mind and her like physical self was picking out a grave site and going through all the details and just everything she was thinking about. And he also was in her mind when she and I was like, wow, he was only dead for three days. But also it's like you're panicking and you're going through everything and your whole life is about to change. So I think it's only natural that her mind started to wander. And she was like, will I ever marry again? Like, this was my husband. What am I to do? Like, what are my options? And it was also, I don't think then women really worked so she was kind of like what am i supposed to do like what are the pros and cons of all the men in the area like will i ever have an option to marry again those are normal questions right and so on that third day in the hospital when george regained control of his tongue took care of the baby he then spoke to his wife and essentially repeated everything that she had thought (laughs) that's so (laughs) all the details and I'm sure it was probably a bit awkward, especially yeah, a when bit. it got to like, oh, here's the pros and cons of all the males <laughs> in our town. <laughs> um, but apparently he didn't get one detail wrong. And so she was like, what is this sorcery? I'm really scared of you, George. And so she pretty much avoided him for the entire And she divorced year. him. The end. She didn't divorce him, but, like, almost. She didn't really talk to I mean, they lived together, but she avoided him and didn't really talk to him much that next year. Because also she was really pissed about his intrusion on her privacy. Yeah. 
But he was she like, was, he didn't know he was coming back. And like most people would want a sign from their loved one when they die. Like, you know, you think all those things. And like, if you said, I don't know, I, I, I get it. I get but it. I, also I get like, it. Get yeah. it both ways. But I'm sure she was thinking like, well, if you saw me or like heard me start to think things that were very like private things, you should have left. But he also had never experienced that before. And he probably didn't have control over yeah. what he was. He, listening he's not a professional near death experiencer. He's new. He's new here. Yeah. She was pretty pissed about it. She thought it was a huge violation. And so she said that she actually slept in another room for almost a year because she was afraid that George George would be able to hear her thoughts, even though he was alive again. <laughs> so she was avoiding him. But eventually, George makes a full recovery and he returned to his normal life. And he spoke frequently and openly about his ordeal but he never wrote a book which many many other near-death experience uh, goers people experiencers have yeah. um but he did deliver a keynote address to the united nations which damn. i think is really cool damn george yeah and then he eventually passed away in 2004 and that is the near-death experience of our friend george radone Hi, Georgie. I have so many thoughts because it's like, I, like when you said his tongue was swollen, I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot about the fact that your body decomposes when you die. So like he was like decaying and he came back to a decaying body. Yeah. Yeah. He was pretty messed up for like nine months. It took for him to regain everything and regenerate and like recover. What if, ew, this is gross, but like, you know, like when you're, when bodies are decaying, their skin gets flaky. What if he like came back to his body and just like everywhere he he walked, his skin flaked off? Ew, it probably did. I hate <laughs> flaking skin. It's the worst. It's like when you get sunburnt and you like peel it off in strips. Oh my God, yes. Which is disgusting, but also like somewhat addicting and you can't not do it. In high school, this girl had gone on vacation and she really badly burned her stomach and she was flaking everywhere. But it wasn't just like the long strips you could take off. It was like actual flaking. And we were all in the kitchen, like kitchen. What's it called? Cafeteria. <laughs> we're all sitting around and we're eating. We're in the cafeteria. It's lunchtime. And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm flaking really bad. And she lifts up her shirt and it goes, boom, like a flume of her dead skin. Oh. Just a cloud of it comes for us. Oh, it came for you. It's like when you pull up in a pillow and it, the fan's going and all the feathers That's fly. That's literally what happened. I was disgusted. I breathed it in. She's now a part of me. I'm a part of her. We'll be our one. We already are all part of each other. <laughs> we all come from the same apple. We're all made of stardust. I also, I, I like, I didn't end up doing this story, but I read, like, I briefly read a story about, like, someone who, like, ended up in a place that was, like, all black and it was just, like, complete emptiness and so I wonder if, like, if they had thought, what's the positive of this? Would they have seen the light? Or are there some people who are just stuck in a black void? Maybe it's a waiting room. Maybe everyone's there for, like, two days. But it's, like, again, you lose concept of time because George was saying it was, like, the present, the past, and the future is all now. I'm just here in the now. So maybe there is no concept of time because George was gone for three days, which is crazy. So maybe the people that are gone for 30 seconds, 10 minutes – they're they just some of them might just see blackness because they haven't gone to the next they need another couple days to go to the next stage but if it's a waiting room it needs music or like 
you know, like in hospital waiting rooms, like the walls are green or whatever color is like the color that (laughs) means calmness. Some elevator music. That's what, Jeopardy? Oh my God, but would that be torture though? What if it was just one song on repeat? Over and over. Well, then that's hell. Then you know, then you know you've made it to hell. lives in a pineapple under the sea? Oh, he just passed away. I know. So sad. So sad. Childhood hero. I know. Is mayonnaise an instrument? <laughs> oh. Maybe tonight I will curl up in my Brooklyn and sheets and watch some episodes of SpongeBob. Oh, that's a good idea. Because you spend a third of your life in your sheets, and this holiday season is a great time for betting for a betting upgrade for you or a loved one, and you should choose Brooklyn and such a good holiday gift. Oh my god, because Brooklinen works directly with manufacturers and directly with customers. There's no middlemen, meaning they can give you five-star hotel quality sheets that are affordable and easy to order. And if I got this as a gift, I would be like, hallelujah, you're my best friend now. Maybe I'll do that for my sister and like, she'll be like, oh my God, you're my favorite sister, even though I'm her only sister. The sheets don't just feel amazing. They look great. They like, they you can mix and match the colors i have cream corinne has white and also maybe you're thinking okay well i don't i don't know if what kind of sheet color someone would want and so if you still want to get great gifts they also have towels and robes and candles and sleep masks and so many more really awesome gifts to give people oh my god i really want one of the robes i've like i want a robe too oh and they also have super fast shipping which makes sure that you can get your holiday gifts right on time hey you know what maybe you get it for your crush because then when they go to bed every night they're only gonna think about you and how you make them sleep better weird flex but okay Our Brooklyn and sheets are seriously the best, most comfortable sheets that we've ever slept on. And now is the time to get your upgrade. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Yeah, so you can get $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code TGOG at Brooklinen.com. And, and Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code TGOG at Brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code TGOG. Brooklinen, these really are the best sheets ever. Okay, I'm very curious about the near-death experiences that you have picked to highlight. So I ended up doing like a few small short stories because while I was researching, I ended up like the search term I did was like famous near-death experiences. And instead of like well-known stories coming up, it ended up being like celebrities who have had near-death experiences. And I was like, whoa, there are so many celebrities And famous people who have had near-death experiences. So weird. I wouldn't have expected it. There's this website called um, near-death.com. And it has like over 25 different near-death experiences of famous people. Oh, shit. But yeah, so I mean like in effort to like make us all realize that celebrities are just like us, they all also have near-death experiences. Not all of them, but... um, the first one I chose is Tracy Morgan, who is an actor and comedian. He was on SNL and 30 Rock, and he's well-known, very famous. And he had a near-death experience, and it's, okay, the, the accident's really, really sad. It was on June 7th, 2014, a tractor trailer struck Tracy Morgan's minibus on the New Jersey Turnpike. It was like such, it like the photos of it, I had to click out because it was just so scary 
the photos are like the cars are just completely totaled. It was like a massive multi-car crash that unfortunately ended up taking Tracy Morgan's best friend's life. His name was James McNair. I remember when this happened. Uh huh. And then Morgan had such a horrible life-threatening brain injury, a broken leg, a and broken ribs that he had a, he was sent to the hospital and spent more than a week in a medically induced coma when he like finally woke up i'll get to the near-death experience later but when he finally woke up he was blind for six days and it was just like he was he was on oprah's super soul sunday and he he talked about it and it, there are a ton of youtube videos where it's on super soul sunday tv like if you have a chance watch these videos because i just was bawling the whole time he he said it was like the hardest thing he's ever had to go through just waking up from it. He was blind. He had like so much trouble moving physically and like his mind, Mm -hmm. like he had also to wake up and realize you also lost your best friend. He just like, right. He said he contemplated suicide. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, I don't want to live this life if it's going to be like this. And he contemplated suicide and like, and then in some of the interviews, he says like how he would never have gotten through that time if it weren't for his wife. It's so cute. So a few years after the accident, he ended up going on to Super Soul Sunday and was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. And during the interview, Morgan described that he had a near-death experience while in a coma. And in this near-death experience, he met God and then was reunited with his late father, Jimmy Morgan. And his father had passed away in 1987 after losing a battle to aid against AIDS. And so, like, Tracy, like, he was his hero and was devastated when he lost his father. And, and so seeing his dad was, like, the, like, most beautiful moment. He said he's never wow. sobbed harder. Like, in this near-death experience, he just oh my God. sobbed more than he did at his father's funeral. Like, it was just, like, so surreal. And his father told him it's not his time to die. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> he said... His dad was like, I'm not ready for you, son. You need to finish the job. And then Morgan's just like crying harder and harder and like sobbing. Oh my God. <laughs> and then apparently God spoke to him and goes, was like, I have plans for you, Tracy. Like your room. And he, he goes, he goes, God told me your room ain't ready yet. I still got something for you to do. And then like he joked, he was like, and now I'm here doing this interview with you, Oprah. Like that was his one more thing. But um, yeah, he said like, you still have to meet Oprah. You can't come here yet. (laughs) That's your one thing you have to do. Uh, And then in the interview with Oprah, he says that like, he 100% believes that it was heaven. And that if it weren't for his dad being there, and encouraging him to stay in the real in the living world he probably wouldn't be here today and he said that when he went to the other side he came back with gifts and then he was like the gifts being these jokes that i'm sharing with everyone and then (laughs) he he said that like he actually came back funnier and he thinks that like he learned how to embrace humor and comedy in, in a way that he wasn't able to before and then he also had this like really sweet thing of like his wife even noticed like the way that he treats other people is very different like he's like you don't have an experience like that and come back the same you come back different and you bring gifts with you and he was like i find myself saying i love you to 200 times a day even if it's to strangers 
because he's like, I don't have to know you to love you. That's how we're supposed to be as human beings. We're supposed to take care of each other. Oh my God, that's so sweet. Mm -hmm. He's like, after surviving something like that, I'm never going to feel normal. But he thinks that like, he is like a very upbeat and like, you, you can watch these videos. They're just, it's just like, there's something about watching a video of someone who's, who was so close to death have such a positive outlook on everything Mm -hmm. similar to george who's like i understand the point of life now and i'm going to live every day better than i ever have because i know yeah he was he ended it was like this near-death crash made me funnier i like that and then the other i have two more one the other one is elizabeth taylor who is a famous actress who passed away 2011 she had violet eyes oh she was so beautiful she had a near-death experience as well and she it was like she was having surgery and died on the operating table for five minutes jeez um which george died for three days which is like a long time but even five minutes is like a really really long time to be dead yeah and she was interviewed by larry king on cnn's larry king live and she said that when she had her near de- near-death experience she described coming to in this like otherworldly realm and passing through a tunnel towards this really bright light. So like as she Mm -hmm. was going through the tunnel, she was heading towards this bright light. And then there when she reached the light, she encountered the spirit of Michael Todd, who was Elizabeth Taylor's third husband, who was killed in a plane crash in 1958. And she she always referred to him as her great love. And when she saw him, she described that she went to the tunnel, saw Mike and said – oh, Mike, you're where I want to be. And, like, she was just, like, so happy to be reunited with him that she was ready to, like, join him. She was, like, 100%, like, I'm gone, I'm done. True love. I know, I know. (laughs) And he said, no, baby, you have to turn around and go back because there's something very important for you to do and you cannot give up now. Which is just, like, (laughs) I'm gonna cry. It's very sweet. Similar to how Tracy Morgan's wife was, like, the one who got him through recovery, uh, Elizabeth Taylor said there's no way she would be alive if it weren't for Mike's strength strength in this other world and his love and how he was like, I love you so much that I can't take you selfishly yet because you have too much to do. And he, like, forced her back into life wow and then when she was resuscitated on the operating table there were like all these doctors and nurses around and everyone was like she was dead and she was pronounced dead they had like set up everything they were like preparing to bring her down in the morgue they were like stopping the surgery they're like she's dead and then she started to talk about it and she was like i feel so weird like this is so corny people are like people aren't gonna believe me i sound like screwy i sound like i've lost brain cells and she like kind of kept like to herself for a while because she just didn't know how to share this experience and how people would recept it or receive it Mm -hmm. and uh for a really long time she like didn't know how to talk about it she wouldn't talk about it and then finally she she realized she shared it with the american aids magazine and she said She's sharing it with them because, or she was sharing it with them because the moment occurred occurs and you're really sharing. It's real. I'm not afraid of death because I have been there. And then she lived a really 
pretty long life. She died at the age of 79. because She of- lived a very full yes. life in terms of everything she accomplished. Yes. All the people she romantically was involved with. Mm-hmm. She had quite quite the life yeah. of glamour and love and lust. Yeah. And that was in 2011. And then the last one, the last story I have, okay, is a twist on near-death experiences. Because okay. rather than someone who had a near-death experience, this is a celebrity that people see often when they have near-death experiences. What? Wait, can I guess? Uh-huh. Is it Elvis? Uh-huh, yeah. It is? It is. Wow. How did you know? Oh, my God, have you I seen him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've died before <laughs> I saw Elvis. He maybe greeted you? Maybe I stopped you? breathing for a couple moments in my sleep. <laughs> Ain't nothing but a humbug. So interesting. Why is, why is Elvis? I think it's because <laughs> he was such an iconic person. Like, I was doing research on it, and it was like a lot of people think – that he shows up to them because a lot of people will see God-like figures, whether it's like Allah or whatever God you believe in, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And to some people, they really worshipped Elvis. Like he is the king. Like, and he was the ca- like the catalyst for the rock and roll revolution. Like he is this iconic musician in the world that people like praised. So in a way, he is a God-like figure to a lot of people. Here's a theory. Uh-huh. Because Jesus, according to some religions, was supposed to come back again. Do you think Elvis was Jesus? And now people <laughs> are meeting Jesus, but they're like, it's Elvis, because they know him as Elvis. But really, it's Jesus. I, I don't think, I don't personally think that's the case. But I love the idea of Jesus was like, I know who I'm going to come back as. I'm going to be a rock and roll artist. Yeah, why not? I mean, he he lived his first life as a carpenter. He wanted something a little more exciting this round. Maybe he came back as Bob Ross. Oh my god. That's a guy I would view I would follow. If if Bob Ross That's who you see when you have a near death experience. (laughs) If he had a cult, I would join it. I believe it. He already does have a cult following. The man was so peaceful, he permed his hair, he (laughs) fostered squirrels. Like that's the most amazing cult I've ever heard of. Yep. I'll come visit you. Okay, so Elvis was not Jesus. Right. But we can't say for certain. (laughs) We can't say for certain. But so he never had a near-death experience himself, and he died at the age of 42. He was so young. It was like, it was such a devastating death. And it was in 1977, and since then, there have been numerous alleged sightings of him, which this is, aside from near-death experiences, a lot of people thought that maybe he faked his death. And like, there were like all these like rumors of a a forged death certificate and like an alleged wax dummy in his original coffin and like all these like crazy things that like and there are a lot of like ghost sightings of him where they're like it's not a ghost he's real so it's like tupac yeah yeah there's so many conspiracies around like celebrity deaths um but so the hard thing the unfortunate thing is a lot of people have seen Elvis in near-death experiences, but they're really hard to find on the internet because they're all compiled into this book called uh, Elvis Afterlife by Dr. Raymond Moody. But I do have one story of a woman who saw Elvis when she had a near-death experience. She was a 45-year-old Midwestern teacher, and when she... um, 
during her near-death experience, she saw Elvis in this, like, intense light. Similar to all the other stories, like, when you reach the light, you see the people who are going to send you back or give you a message. And she had met Elvis when she was a child in real life. And when she entered into the dark and reached this light, she said the the place seemed very holy. And her father, who had died two years earlier before this near-death experience, was there. And so were her grandparents. And everyone was happy. They were all, like, hugging. And her dad was like, we are so happy to see you, but it's time you need to go back. And as she turned around to, like, head back towards that dark tunnel that she had come in from, she sees Elvis. And he's just, like, standing (laughs) next to his family, next to her family. And she, like, turns back and is like, what? (laughs) And (laughs) I like how she's starstruck even in the afterlife. Yeah. What's going on? Because, <laughs> like, it's just funny because she didn't expect that. And, like, he he comes up to her, like, in this very peaceful – like, she said that, like, seeing her parents, her grandparents and her dad was, like, very, very peaceful. But when Elvis came up to her, it was, like, a whole other feeling, like, beyond the feeling of peace, like, a, a serenity that she had never known existed. And he grabs her hand and goes – Hi, Bev. Do you remember me? <laughs> and Wait, do you think Elvis only appears to people who've met him throughout their lives? Do you think that, that is how he's repaying his fans? Anyone who's ever met him, he then greets on the other side. Interesting. And does he sing? And does he t- does he select songs based on the person, maybe the time of year, like right now? Maybe he'd sing... Have a blue. Oh, he picks the time of year. Christmas without. And he sings that and shows the person their loved ones who are still living on Earth. Yes, you gotta go back. You gotta go. I think I'm gonna have to order this book to read more about these experiences because it's an entire book about people who have seen Elvis (laughs) at near death experiences. And. It's actually, it's funny because it apparently like people will see him in different forms. Like some will see him like really young and like groovy looking and like handsome, but others will see him like fat, like a fat Elvis who just like let himself go in heaven and he's just like comfortable and like, what a, Love it. yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if it's just the fans who he's met or if it's just people who have like greatly worshipped him. Um, well, you better start your worshiping now in hopes to meet Elvis. Mm-hmm. Because if you see Elvis, you know you're in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my near-death experience stories. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And there are so them. many more celebrities. Like there was George Lucas had one. Um, who else? There were, I don't remember, but there were so many. Wow. But you picked good ones because it's people that everyone – will know most likely and yeah. then also tracy morgan is so relevant today and that yeah. just happened like within the yeah. past couple of years yeah and there are videos on like all of these if you go on youtube and you can find like so many people have had near-death experiences there are just like endless amounts of stories about them God, it's so it's yeah i just i keep thinking about you brought up a good point it's like your body is dying and decaying essentially as soon as you die yeah. And I don't understand. There's all of this science behind the amount of like time that you can be dead or without oxygen to the brain and what happens 
for a long period of time and yet all these people experience this stuff it's a miracle i also like it makes me wonder and i I don't believe this it just makes me wonder like if it doesn't have to do with like blood flow to your brain at all it's like all about your soul and like some people when they have when they die it their soul just immediately leaves but then like other people when they die they, it comes back and that's what resuscitates the body yeah it's such an interesting concept i mean and i think i kind of like the near-death experiences a lot because it, it goes it it lines up nicely with what how i view the body like mm-hmm. i've said before i like am very much a believer that like my soul is actually who I am and mm-hmm. this body is just like the shell, like a little hermit yeah. crab. Like this is what I'm using right now. Yeah. And so when I die, it's like I'm just like a throw it in the trash. shedding my skin, like throw it in the trash. <laughs> like maybe I'll get one that doesn't like to eat as much next time. Eat me. And then <laughs> eat my body. <laughs> get some nutrition. Yeah, so I kind of like the idea that when people move on, they don't care really about their yeah their body that's left behind they're like i'm so happy where i am now this is great but it also what i totally understand that but it's interesting like that if you believe a spirit can then choose how it like manifests itself in this afterlife why choose a physical body then if it like doesn't matter the spirit yeah what do you mean like we we are attached to our physical bodies mentally and spiritually because when you manifest as a spirit you choose to represent yourself in that physical body. Well, maybe it's so that you, because you have this understanding of the universe and the world and the infinite intertwinings of all of creation, but you also know that humans are not capable of accepting those things. And so to keep people from being so feared, full of fear and confusion you present yourself as something that's familiar to them yeah even yeah. though ghosts are i mean it's scary enough people freak out enough just seeing a spirit that's so true. imagine if they saw some weird gaseous substance just move through space although after looking at that picture that we posted on instagram i almost oh, would God, rather no, that no, no, because no. that girl in the picture is scary Ugh, why'd you have to bring it up again sorry this also brings up the whole i had a debate the other day about like you know like black mirror they did that episode where you can like take consciousness and put it into something else that's not a human body like and there's like all these people in the science field scientists say um me being my credible sources um (laughs) that like there are people studying if you can take a consciousness of a human being and put it into like say a robotic type of frame so that you can live on forever but it's like, is it actually you? Because just because it's the way that your mind works doesn't mean it's your actual soul and like what makes you, you. Like it's just such a, I mean, again, conversations that we don't like to have because it's like. Going back to the chilling adventures of Sabrina, not any spoilers, but like someone is without a soul and is a completely different functioning person although their brain is the same the chemical composition of their body is the same la di da di da so i think i mean i believe in souls and you do too so it's yeah and we're kind of on the same side so it's just i don't i don't want someone who doesn't believe in it to like have this conversation with us i know. know to bring another perspective to the table yeah well that's that's another podcast we're believers here we're believers believe i believers it's well okay 
Do you think that in the afterlife, regardless of if you nearly die or if you do die, they have like homesick candles that just they like have them lit. So it's like you remember you enter the black smells and you're just overwhelmed with the smell of New Jersey. Yes. (laughs) It's a beautiful smell. (laughs) I'll trust you on that. (laughs) Homesick candles are an amazing First of all, they're an amazing holiday gift for this year, another holiday gift. But they're also just wonderful, personalized things for yourself and for people you love. Sometimes we get real emotional on this podcast and we read some really, really touching stories. And I think, especially with scent, we're so scent oriented. And to share these memories with people, Homesick Candles is a great way to do that because it creates and builds these strong bonds with friends and family members all surrounding a certain smell that makes you think of them or a place you spent time with them. Yeah. And they have these and they're actually like really stylish as well. And they're perfect for your home or office. They're a great conversation starter. They smell great when you have guests over and it puts you in a great mood whenever you smell it or see it on your shelf. And there are three different sizes. And there's lots of different gift options, too. So if you want to be an impressive gift giver, Homesick Candles is a great one. I've already gifted. I couldn't I couldn't wait. So I gifted <laughs> the Vermont one to my brother. But then I also ordered every state in New England. So <laughs> Oh, my God. Amazing. Because they have what they have. Like they literally have all 50 states, scents that represent all 50 states, U.S. states and dozens of cities, college yeah, towns, cities. foreign countries. It's awesome. Like, I have Massachusetts and I have Boston. Do I have a problem? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Who did I give them to? Myself. <laughs> I gave Nick Minnesota, and then I have New Jersey. And so we burn them at the same time. And then it's like, we're both at home. Battle of the bands, but battle of the candles. Yeah. Whose home smells better? You guys can find out right now because our listeners who go to homesick.com and use the promo code TGOG will receive 10% off of any order over $50 and get free shipping. That's a great deal. 10% off and free shipping. It's amazing. It's an amazing offer and it's and the most popular state and city candles will not last long, so do not wait. Just visit homesick.com now using promo code TGOG. Find a personal gift for your whole list today. Let's jump into stories. I'll go first. Sure. A glimpse of heaven. The dead visited me in a dream. Ooh. Hi, girls. My name is Evelyn, and I just started listening to your podcast because my boyfriend loves how funny you are and got me into the podcast. Much love from South Texas. Hello. Hello, Texas. Well, I wanted to talk to you about a dream that I had back in 2007. So I was in the third grade, and that year my godmother passed away in an accident in Mexico. During the days of her funeral, many people in my family who she was super close to would have dreams of her reliving what she had went through and having her in a dream in which they seriously thought that she was talking to them just like an everyday experience sounds they very much had visitations Uh sounds like she was getting chatty and visiting everyone saying i'm okay the day after she was buried i had a dream that i came home from school and when i walked into my room all of the furniture was the way that it always looked and i put my backpack on the floor Once I look up again, my room was gone and all I saw were white clouds and a really bright shining light. And in the corner of my room, there was a white desk and my godmother was there in a white dress sitting down and smiling at me. I ran to her and held her in my arms and told her how much I missed her and that I loved her. And she told me that she would be my guardian angel and always look over me and that I would never be alone. 
She also told me that she would be fine and turned around and began signing some papers with a white quilted pen. As I looked over to see what she was writing, I couldn't see anything and it was just a blank paper and she said, you are the last person who's going to see me. And then she told me that she will always be with me. Then out of nowhere, there was a bright white light that took her and I woke up. I told my mom and she said that no one has ever had any more dreams about her after me. Oh my God. And that she was most likely signing her papers to go into heaven. Now flash forward to my junior year of high school in 2015. I had an amazing English teacher and he passed away from cancer. And after the day of his burial, I had a dream in which I was in a courtroom. But the sky was all stars. And in front of me, the judges were wearing cloaks and I couldn't see their faces. And one of them then told me, you are the person who will decide whether or not he will be let into heaven. What? And they asked me what I thought. And obviously I said, yes, he deserves to go to heaven. He's a good man. I feel the reason that these hooded figures asked me was that because he did not believe in God or in heaven or hell. Or maybe his view of the afterlife was that you'd be in front of a court. And so that's what he saw. That's me talking, not. Oh, not I was her. like, where, what? That's that's my thought. Because we talked about how people, what's presented to them is based on right. their beliefs. So perhaps he thought that he'd be in front of some sort of judgment. But it's interesting to, that they chose her to like choose. Maybe it's like when you're on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and you get to phone a friend and he's like, well, she, she'll vouch for me. Or what if it's like. Everyone that you came in contact has to vote. Oh, my God. And most people's memory gets wiped, but they forgot to wipe hers. Oh, my God. That scares me. I don't want to leave that up to other people. <laughs> you better be nice. I'm nice. I'm very nice. Get rid of that road rage. <laughs> I don't have road rage. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> You're always having driving problems. <laughs> That's not road rage. That's fear of dying in a car. <laughs> Two very different things. <laughs> I'm making stuff up about your life. Don't use me as your phone a friend. (laughs) Okay, back to the story. After they said, okay, and I woke up. I'm not sure why I had these dreams, but apparently I'm the one who's had the, I'm the only one who's had the dreams before. And I'd like to think that it might be God's way of telling me that I have some sort of type of connection with these people or something that allows me to see them and see what their final judgment is. What if she was a final judge? Like, what if she was one of those hooded judges in a past life and she was reincarnated? Oh, my God. Yeah. What if everyone's elected, like, you're elected to be a guardian angel, you're elected to be a judge, and we don't know it until we (sighs) die? Interesting. Anyway, I really love your podcast and everything that y'all talk about and all the spooky personal stories. So I thought I would let y'all in on two of mine. See you on the other side, Evelyn. Wow. That is amazing. Wow. Oh, my God. I love her experience with her godmother, too, about like she's signing and then all of a sudden she's like sees this white space and these clouds and that her godmother's like, okay, I've been chatting with everyone else, but this is the last time that I'm going to appear. But. Just know I'll, I'll be with you. Just I'm not going to be chatting and, you up. Yeah. And then it was the last one. It's so interesting. Yeah. Like she clearly, Evelyn clearly has some very strong connection, whether it's to these specific people or if it's to the paranormal world. And she's like the kind of like the like middle person between going to heaven and life. And it also makes me think because like when you – especially when you're stressed or when you're missing someone, I feel like it 
your thoughts and your dreams will have them come up. But dream visitations are so different. And it's interesting that no one even had like a regular dream after it was like, yeah, it was like to make certain that this experience was taken seriously and that they knew it was real. Mm -hmm. Everyone was prevented from having any sort of dreams about this person. Wow. And I'm, I, I hope they used Evelyn's verdict for her English teacher and let him into wherever he (laughs) wanted to be. I really hope so. Okay. I have one from Kelsey. She says, Hey ladies, I want to share the story about how death visited my grandma in a dream. My grandma was from a very small town. She left high school to work as a housekeeper and she worked hard for almost no money. The Great Depression was just ending and survival was what was so important. So when she was 18 and the bag boy at the grocery store wanted to marry her and her mother said it was okay, even though she didn't feel like it was right, they got married. As the years wore on, they had two daughters, my aunt and my mom. My grandfather, who worked tirelessly building houses and making inventions, his mental health started to suffer, and it kept getting worse. The family was not religious, but he desperately wanted to convert all of them to Judaism. The sad thing is, though, the only synagogue in the area thought he was nuts and didn't want him. So sad. He felt so frustrated because in his mind, it was the only way to go to heaven. My grandma was a patient, and she didn't see a point in correcting him until my mom and aunt kept their distance from him. Eventually, his mental state was set on the apocalypse. It was coming, and he knew it. He wrote a long manifesto detailing his religious beliefs, and all of this was happening when my mom was 11 and my aunt was 19. He got to the point where he knew the world was ending, and he talked to my grandma about killing them all and ending his own life in order to find salvation and spare them from a worse end of the world. Oh, no. Now, it was the late 60s, My grandma worked but didn't make much. They owned and operated a farm in the country, and she couldn't just leave. But he wouldn't seek help. So my grandma and my aunt were worried for my mom and wouldn't let let my grandpa be alone with her. Two days after my mom's 12th birthday, my grandfather didn't feel well. My grandmother suggested a nap, and they both laid in their bed and went to sleep back to back. In her dream, she dreamt that a black man, dressed in all black, with a black beanie hat, came into their house didn't say a word, and she just knew he was coming for her husband. She chased him, trying to get him to stop because she knew that this man was death. She knew exactly why he was there. She woke up startled, and my my grandfather's back went stiff against hers. She rolled over and rolled him over, and he was purple and not breathing. She called 911, but because it was in the winter and they lived in the country, the ambulance got lost on their way to their house, and he died. Sometime later, my grandma married a nice but sick man, and their marriage ended when he died of liver failure. She met the mom. She met the man I call my grandpa when he answered her newspaper ad for a tractor for sale, and they were married for more than 30 years until he died at 89 years old. I doubt he ever knew how bad their lives were during those years with her first husband because my grandma was very private. But this man, the man I know as my grandpa, had a calm demeanor and stability, and he provided comfort for the whole family. So that's the story of how my grandma met death. It kind of makes me terrified to dream. Thanks, grandma. XOXO, <laughs> your BFF, Kelsey. It's so interesting that the dream, th- like the dreams come up that it makes me wonder, are they really dreams or are like we've had other stories. We had one where that girl had, well, she kind of thought she was dreaming, but like essentially Ashwell projected to what she believes was heaven and her grandfather yelled at yeah, her, remember, and was like, "You're not the right one." And then at that exact moment, her grandmother had passed away. Uh huh. 
And so yeah. it makes me wonder if in these dreams, they're not really dreams at all, but if people, some, certain people have the ability to astral project into this other plane, which mm-hmm. is where people go when they pass away. Yeah, or even if she was like not even dreaming but she her mind made her think it was a dream because she actually saw this man in her room going after her husband and she like like her brain like yeah to protect itself interpreted it as a dream because it's easier to like comprehend it that way but she actually saw death in her bedroom uh gerald's game did you see that movie no i think it's a stephen king book too and they made it into a movie and i've only seen the movie but yeah she basically thinks she's dreaming but a lot of it's oh my God. real. That's crazy. Ugh. So fascinating. It's like, also, I almost think like all his like fear of what like the end of the world was, was actually his fear of like he had a premonition of his death. Yeah. Like, do you think that people who think it's the end of the world, like they think that because they have, they've received these, or they have knowledge of what their death is going to be. And they think that if they're dying in the way that they're dying transcends just them and it's applies to everyone oh yeah maybe it's like it's like when people get um premonitions it's you don't always get a clear full picture it's like right you might just see a glimpse of something you might just see a plane crash with the ticker going across the tv screen mm-hmm. like but you don't know where when how you just think yeah. you know Ooh, or okay like what if he was getting these premonitions that was like him alone in the world which he interpreted as everyone the end of the world everyone dying but him but it was the opposite it was he was dying and transitioning into a world where he wouldn't be with the people in his he saw his transition probably honestly that makes the most sense to me i think (laughs) we've solved it it's done we can move on close that chapter hey buzzfeed it's no longer unsolved it's solved we'll create a new buzzfeed category solved solved by karina sabrina <laughs> large assumptions interpreted as reality and fact yep and they believe it deeply well wow this was great you guys if you have anything you want to email us stories related to paranormal i mean we don't it's not just ghost stories obviously we cover all different things so if it has if it's any bit obscure or just you just want to share it with us Email it to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and support us. Uh, we have a live show coming up at the Hollywood Improv on January 13th at 9.30 p.m. Uh, come support us. It really means a lot to us. And if we do well in terms of selling tickets, we might come to your city. I know not everyone's in Los Angeles, but um, yeah, tell your friends about it. Get your friends hooked on our podcast and come support us and watch us do our very first live show and if you cannot make it to our live show you can also support us by reading and reviewing on itunes we also have merchandise which we sell through big cartel and you can find that on our website so you can rep the podcast with some tgog swag Mm -hmm. Um, and you can also donate to our patreon page we have multiple tiers and each tier gets you certain perks or discounts and what have you we also just speaking of our itunes reviews because i read them every day um we had a financial crimes investigator wait 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 what yeah he his name's chris d vasquez on itunes and he's like i'm a financial crimes investigator and all i do while i stop the baddies is listen to you guys (gasps) i'm freaking out right i'm freaking out that's so cool 
don't commit any financial crime or Chris will get you. Chris, I don't even know how to roll my current 401k plan into my new 401k (laughs) plan. So I couldn't commit a crime if I tried. (laughs) <laughs> We're confused. We don't know. How do I adult? Oh. Um, we also have Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So social media. Social media. Dun, dun, dun. Where all the creepy things are. And also support us by supporting our sponsors. Uh, Robin Hood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help board, build your portfolio if you sign up at ghost.robinhood.com. You can also go to thirdlove.com slash T-G-O-G to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of your first purchase. And you can also get $20 off and free shipping at brooklinen.com when you use the promo code TGOG. And our listeners can go to homesick.com and use promo code TGOG to receive 10% off of any order over $50 and you get free shipping. And we will see you on the other side. side.